What's up, guys? Welcome to That The High Podcast. I am Jonathan, and I'm joined right now by just Chase. Chase, how are you? I'm doing all right, man. How are you? Yeah, we're, we're doing all right. Um, so a couple of little things in, in Hornets news lately. Uh, for one, this happened a while ago, in case you forgot. The Hornets have new uniforms now. Uh, they are pinstriped, like the 90s uniforms, but... Well, I think I've shared this take a lot, but I want to hear your take on the new uniforms first. Do you like them? Uh, yes, I like them very much. I think that uh, a, a top three jersey in the NBA <laughs> is and the now, new court too. Yeah, exactly. The court looks sweet, but that they're at worst like the second best jerseys in the NBA. I think the Who, Hawks jerseys might be the best, honestly. I might not even know if I've seen the Hawks. Oh yes, I have. They're kind of they they're, like, uh, th- they're also like uh, throwback jerseys to like their their good era. <laughs> I do like I do like when teams uh decide that they need to especially when teams are bad and they need to get fans to buy back in. They're like, "Hey, look, now we look like we did when we were good. Don't you want to reverse now?" <laughs> yeah. You're like, "Oh, you you'll at least want to buy this jersey again yeah. rather than buying the ones that look like a like a poorly funded AAU team or something." <laughs> yes, the Hawks the Hawks last most recent ones were those were like a series of alternate uniforms. Like where they're like, hey, let's make Volt like highlighter yellow a primary color. I was kind of that was a poor decision. Yeah, their 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 last jerseys were terrible, so it's a good thing they <laughs> upgraded them. But the Hornets yeah. were were pretty good, and they and they still felt the need to capitalize. So that just shows it, you that they're striving for greatness in Charlotte. I, I, I nailed every like branding uniform everything since they went back to being the Hornets. Which is again another thing where they're like, "Hey guys, look, we're the Hornets now. You, you want to root for us again, right? <laughs> Even though it's all the same players and everything, but now we're the Hornets." Yeah, that was pretty much the same. Yeah, they had to do this kind of the same thing. But I mean, these these jerseys, I don't. I know you don't like the uh, pinstripes not extending to the shorts, but I think it honestly looks pretty. Like I've I've tried to picture it with the pinstripes going all the way down, and I think it looks better without them. And I don't think they're going to change it at this point because no, uh, no, I'm not. It. It's, it's not a deal breaker. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not a deal breaker by any means. It was just that's and yeah, I think I think they make it work. Um, I will say they are much. My hot take I was going to say that I think I've shared a lot is that um the uh sorry. A thing popped up. Uh, the '90s era pinstripe ones are really ugly, like the and ones Baron Davis wore. Not no, those are fine. I'm talking about like the the original one, like the OG oh, oh, okay. pinstripe ones. Yeah, that's fair. And everybody's like the the ones that are our current like uh, throwback ones are based off of. Um, where I think. And I know it's you kind of have to factor nostalgia into you know if a jersey's good or not. But in terms of a design perspective, they're bad. They're trash because the colors are not team colors. There's random colors on the pinstripes, and then particularly on the teal jerseys, you can't see like two of the four pinstripes because they're so close to the teal. So it just looks like there's two, uh, like oblong pinstripes that are purple and royal blue on this teal jersey. And if you look really closely, you can see a royal green and a baby blue pinstripe on there. And I just thought I've always thought they were bad. Yeah, no, I, I, you can't argue with that. I've, n- <laughs> I've never noticed that it's like all different colors that aren't in the logo, but that's definitely true. Like that that green color just came. It's like a Seahawks color green. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, and in the court, um, I think I I tweeted this, but it's gonna look really good on TV. Like it's gonna like home games are going to be especially enjoyable because I feel like for one it's very unique looking it's very apart sets apart sets itself apart from the rest of the league and then I think those colors like all the teal will look really good just on TV with with games being played on it. Yeah, I agree. And the the new um like pro, pro, like third alternate logo that they have with like the purple hornet like mm-hmm. in the. Like the, I guess, like the corner of each yeah. court, like opposite corner. Those look so nice too. I don't, yeah. re- I don't remember what it was like before. I think it was just like a Buzz City logo it was or the something. Buzz City. Hexagon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is way better than that though. It just, it <laughs> yeah, looks so nice. Like and the honeycomb in the middle is a very nice touch too. Yeah, and the free throw line. I do like the the kind of the difference between the three point line, like the inside the arc. Basically, what I think they've done is now the coaches can tell the players like you can only shoot with your feet on honeycombs. 
that that's a good idea he'd be like oh yeah you can if you can shoot from like the third one back and just let it fly or something <laughs> yeah, like that because there's the honeycombs in the paint and then the honeycombs outside the three-point line and then the only place where there's not honeycombs is in the mid-range areas so yeah do not shoot from anywhere where your feet are not touching honeycombs yeah if you don't see honeycombs either keep going or back up <laughs> yes <laughs> um in other news before i guess like in other news michael jordan is now the first African-American NASCAR team owner since like the 1970s, I think. And he has one driver and it is the only African-American NASCAR driver racing at the top level. So that's pretty cool. That's, that's sweet. I mean, I'd, I've liked NASCAR for like my whole life. It's not like my favorite sport, but I do like mm-hmm. it. And I mean, obviously a Hornets NASCAR crossover is more than okay with me. Uh, was it in, yeah, your comment that I don't know if people saw it in the, the, the comment section of the po- the post that I wrote about it, where you're like, as one of the dozens of NASCAR fans, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there aren't many of us anymore, but are are you like the only NASCAR fan in Maine? Um, definitely out of like my friends, I don't know <laughs> anyone that watches it outside of my family. How did you become? I know this has now become like a chase by uh interview, but how did you actually become a NASCAR fan? Um, I think like my parents just got into it. Like, oh. I don't know how they did necessarily but i mean they just i was just on tv when i was younger and i think playing with like the like little die cast like matchbox cars oh, i think I that, that kind of yeah. did it too <laughs> they're all was, colored and shiny and all that i was on those when i was when i was a kid um my i like watched it a little bit when i was growing up and my dad still watches it all the time um but I I just kind of lost interest in it. And my dad will tell me stuff sometimes about like the race. I'm like, yeah, I don't know anything about anything that's going on. So any uh... <laughs> like yeah, these are just words to me. I, I don't I don't have any meeting with to them. Yeah, telling me about like I understand how the sport works enough to where if something interesting happens, I can be like, oh, that's interesting. But like I don't know who any of the people are. I don't know what if you like show me the numbers. Like I don't know what any of those drivers are. Right. So yeah, but um, I think it was funny about it also and there, i don't think there's a whole lot to say but beyond like in the news itself it's really cool um i do think it's funny that denny hamlin is a part owner of the team and he still races for another team i thought that was weird too like i didn't know that they were like allowed to do that because yeah. it kind of <laughs> seems like a conflict of interest because he's like dumping money into yeah. someone else being just as good if not better than he is which is like strange to think about but then again he makes money when that when Bubba Wallace does well too, so it's like I don't know if there's if there's anybody he's going to come in second to. I guess I guess it would be him. <laughs> that would be that's what I'm saying. It's like Denny Hamlin when he wins the race. It's like oh man, I'm gonna I have so much money to help invest in Bubba Wallace to help make him better, my competitor. Yeah, he's but like also he can just my... come in second next time. It'll work perfectly. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's gonna be. A, I would love to see a race where like Denny and Bubba are like jostling for the lead, or any or really anywhere where there's jostling with each other for position. And Bubba Wallace doesn't really. Oh, I guess Bubba Wallace like, do I beat my boss? Or... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then, I definitely and... definitely don't want to put any damage onto that. Yeah, that might have to come out of his own paycheck. Yeah, if 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 Denny doesn't do well, then maybe like I don't have as much. You know, it's gonna hurt hurt my uh my prospects. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the only other thing really going basketball again. Um, and they're doing the bubble, but they're I don't like we talked about this before the show. There's not a lot really for us to talk about. It's newsworthy because everything they've showed, they've showed us stuff. And so the Hornets, not that this is no complaint against the Hornets media team because they're showing us what's going on, but there's nothing really newsworthy. It's just like, look, they're playing basketball and they're, you know, getting better. It's like, good, good on you, Hornets. Yeah, yeah. Like the the media team has done a great job giving us like the fun stuff to watch and like, miking up players every day and then posting like a video on instagram and twitter like that's been funny mm-hmm. but like you're right that there really isn't any like uh like information for us to talk about i guess <laughs> yeah because i mean i guess malik monk looks slightly bigger and mm-hmm. Devonte graham looked like slightly bigger but that's really it i mean they weren't showing like them running drills and being like oh cody martin hit 100 mm-hmm. out of 210 three-point shots today or something like that yeah, and but, I don't think there's any media like all the from when I've watched the press availability, it's all on Zoom. So my assumption is there's no media allowed to watch the practices, so we don't get any of those 
because like the coach, like James Borrego has been asked, and he will he refuses to say anything good or bad about anybody. So we can't take anything like oh, PJ Washington looks like he's done added this or Miles Bridges and so on and so forth. It's just been he's just like yep, everybody's doing a great job, and then nobody there's no impartial media watching or partial media watching to to tell us what's actually happening. Yeah, I feel like they're. That might not even be like Borrego's goal either to like just bring people in and improve a specific skill because they've been sitting, not mm. like literally sitting, but they've been not playing <laughs> basketball at this high level for what? I mean, March was, I mean, 10 minus three, seven months ago. <laughs> so like, they, I mean, that's a long time. So, I mean, he might've just gotten him in there for like, I mean, it was two weeks. So they probably had like 10 days of practice. And then mm. he might've just been like the first week we'll just run and scrimmage. Second week we'll you know, go back over like new stuff or stuff like offensive sets from last year and stuff that we want to put in for next year, maybe. But mm. I don't yeah. even know if like it was a like an individual based thing because he probably just wanted them all to get together, get together and hang out again, really. Yeah, I think that was the um. The, so they had on the first couple of days, they had a bunch of longer interviews and they kind of stopped doing that. But James Brego said they're not really worried too much about doing drills and like you pretty much said with like skill development right now, they just want them to play. Um, so they're maximizing their time together and playing as much as they can. And it's just kind of like he, what he described it as it's kind of like an open gym type thing where they just, they divide up teams and they're like, all right, let's, let's go like let's see what you guys got, which I think it's been since they play, that's probably better for them anyway, just to, because that's what they need. You, they can do drills away from the team. This is their only chance to play like real organized basketball. But um, him and the players that they interviewed both all kind of emphasized the biggest thing is everybody hanging out together again and kind of getting their chemistry back and seeing everybody again and just kind of being within that team atmosphere that nobody really in the world has had in several months. Yeah, I mean, and they needed that too. Like, hey, imagine how rough the beginning of next year would have started if they didn't get to do this <laughs> yeah. or something like, and spend time playing basketball between March 2020 and then like February 2021. Yeah, 11 months without competitive basketball. And they're like, all right, yeah. guys, go out there and play an NBA season. Um, I do want to know who the best table tennis player is because they're both set. And Devontae Grant, or Cody Zeller, Devonta Graham, and Tara Zier have all said they're the best ping pong players on the team. So I, I really need an answer to who actually won the most ping pong. That yeah, I could see I could see Cody being pretty good at it because isn't he good at tennis? I think so. Cody Zeller just seems like he would have weird skills. Yeah, like be good at like niche sports and yeah. also <laughs> basketball, but as well as the, the niche sports. Yeah, it's like yeah, Cody Zeller's out there playing. Well, it's like Gordon Hayward was like a. Yeah, college level tennis player, and then he's like, actually, I'll just play basketball. It probably is a better career decision. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll make uh, thirty four million dollars per year <laughs> instead. Um. Also, and then the other thing, and then uh, I was surprised that Devontae and Malik Monk has a golf, a decent looking golf swing. Malik Monk doesn't seem like a golfer to me. He's into um like outdoor activities. I read about him one time. He really likes like hunting and fishing. And stuff like that. So I yeah. could, I could kind of see him being a golfer as well. I know he like <laughs> rides four wheelers a lot and stuff because he's from like rural Arkansas. So he's probably yeah. into that, which would make sense. But I mean, I could I could kind of see him being good at golf. I'm surprised Cody Zeller isn't good at golf. He seems like he would be good at it. Yeah, maybe it's just his his balding hair. But I guess <laughs> he just looks like he'd be the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. So, but other than that, I don't think there's anything Hornets. Uh specific to really talk about i'm like looking at at the hive right now to see if there's anything i've written about in the last couple anybody's <laughs> written about in the last couple of weeks that, to see. that website that we go on sometimes yeah the <laughs> um the other we'll, we'll talk about the draft prospects but we're gonna do this little this little ad right here we'll be right back It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back at the podcast. We're gonna talk about minutes. Um, the workouts are supposed to start this week, aren't they? Uh, I think so. I think it might have been like the 29th of September that you're allowed to do it technically. Or maybe that was the interviews. I don't know. Either way. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. It's, um, they keep changing it too. So like it's – it's because I know like I, I wrote something like Shams tweeted uh, about this is – the NBA has established its combine process. And then I was like, cool, we have the combine process. And then like a week later, it's like the NBA has finalized the dates. And I was like, oh, this is different than – when they established it before so now i'm all my wires are all crossed yeah they did they had to jumble that stuff around like quite a few times because i remember uh they originally like a while like back probably two months ago said it was supposed to start they were they were like starting it on one day and just gonna have it be at a location for like just Mm -hmm. two or three days but apparently that that plan (laughs) fell through but either way well, yeah. at least we get to see something because I, yeah. I kind of figured at one point that they weren't going to have it at all, which would not have been ideal. No, and I, the the selfishly, I'm irritated by the the way it's going because I was looking last year and the Hornets they worked out 111 prospects. They brought 111 prospects in for workouts, and they basically did it every single day. So it was just like easy daily content for me to just be like, here's today's workout. And so oh, I didn't ever, I never had to think like if stuff came to my mind, I could write about it. But if, if I didn't have anything, if it didn't have any ideas, I would just be like, oh, well, I got content up because of the workouts. And yeah, now, 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 yeah, now that's probably not going to come out <laughs> like as readily available information anymore. Yeah. They're so not really doing them. We know of one prospect that the Hornets have talked to. And he was, how was Omer? I mean that that was a a fun interview. I mean I, he said that um he had interviewed with them. I think at this point it would be Tuesday like September whatever last Tuesday was. Yeah. Uh the 20 29th, 29th that's what it was. So I think he would have interviewed with them on that day. Mm-hmm. And then he I think the what I the impression that I got was what they at, like what they're asking prospects in these interviews is kind of just seeing what they know about the roster. Mm-hmm. that's currently there and because i mean what they talk about in interviews when people ask them what they're looking for in a prospect is somebody that is going to fit into the culture and fit into their team and like be have promote the team chemistry and just be a good fit with the rest of the young guys there so oh, yeah. i think that that's kind of what they're asking for in these uh like interview processes rather than just kind of asking for like specific skill set questions or being like have you been working on this or this I think it's more of like a like a character thing and just seeing how much a certain prospect would know about the Hornets already. Yeah, I I think that's kind of and that's probably the right way to do it. I don't think I don't think you can really glean too much about a prospect based on how they answer interview questions in terms of their like their basketball IQ and stuff like that. I think you really are just getting to know them to be like, all right, like because I even watch any watch really the Mike Schmitz do the interviews with the, or the, you know, the film breakdowns with the kids. And you can kind of see just from their interviews, like which one do you think have a better chance of realizing their potential or fitting into a good culture, just kind of how they handle feedback and how engaged they are and stuff like that. And I think that's what they're probably looking for. Yeah. Just looking for players to like respond to the sort of <laughs> things that they're, they're throwing at them in like a, like an interview and they were looking for how they respond in the way that they would yeah. want, you know, it's Devontae not, Graham to respond to or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And if, and yeah, Devontae is a good example of probably like the personality they're looking for. Um, yeah. From what you typed up, you typed up basically just like a transcript, like a simplified, like a shortened transcript of your conversation, right? Yeah. For the most part. I mean, there was, I mean, we talked for like 25 minutes and when i like actually wrote it all down it was way longer than i thought it was like going to be when i <laughs> oh, yeah. imagined it so i was like no there's no way people are going to read through like this entire thing and i wanted people to like actually read it 
instead of just being like, oh, this exists, but it's really long, so I'm not going to read it. <laughs> so I edited it a little bit. But yeah, it was mostly just a transcription of what we said. Um, But it seemed like he was very thorough with his... Like, I was impressed with how thorough he... At least how he made himself sound about how, like, knowledgeable he was about the Hornets... Sorry, football on TV. The Hornets roster... Uh, you know, just as part of the interview process, and how it sounded like he was very ser- taking very seriously, like researching every team in the NBA. So whenever they called him, he could be like, "Yeah, I fit. I like. I think Devonte and I can do this together, and I think I fit really well with PJ because of these skills and stuff like that." So I was I was impressed by his, I guess you know, the proactiveness and how willing he was to to learn. Yeah, I mean, he seemed like super self-aware about all that kind of stuff. And like he also was like we made like made connections between what he does on the court and like what the good bigs in the playoffs right now do on the court and like stuff like that, drawing similarities. I mean, for a prospect, that's exactly what you want to hear them doing is being like, I can do the same things that successful people in the NBA playoffs are doing (laughs) right now. And I will show you that I can do that. So he definitely seems like he has a good grasp on like what he needs to be doing and be getting better at to be a, like a good center in like the modern NBA, because that was another thing that he realized will like seemed to realize was that the NBA is like, changing and is significantly different and you can't just be like a big guy in the middle anymore you have to, you have to be skilled and he's very skilled and seems to be working on the other aspects of basketball that yeah isn't quite as skilled at yet yeah he's like i show them i can shoot threes and i've been working with people to work on my lateral speed and stuff because that's something i needed to get better at and that's what i was told needs to get better and stuff like that it, it, when you said the thing about uh him really acknowledging what the successful players at his position were doing. It just kind of ringed a bell in my head. I remember when we drafted Malik Monk and somebody asked him like, what is his, what's his thing and what's his go-to? And he was like, I really like the mid range. And I remember like, I kind of cringed at that. (laughs) And I think now I think that's like kind of something you don't say, not that like you can't be good at it. And teams are going to be like, don't you dare even mention the mid range, but like, if if a team asks you like what's your go to and you say something that does not fit with what the NBA is doing right now, they're gonna be like just the lack of awareness would be the red flag, not the actual Yeah, yeah, skill. right. Like yeah, like being good at mid range jumpers is fine and taking them is fine if you're good <laughs> at it. But being like, This is what I want to do in the NBA in two thousand twenty is yeah probably not <laughs> the best plan. You're definitely right. Yeah, it's like it's like when players get suspended for smoking weed it's like smoking weed is not the red flag it's that or like if they like fail a drug test at like the combine or something it's like the fact that you smoke weed is not the red flag it's the fact that you were dumb enough to get caught with weed when you knew you're gonna get tested is the red flag yeah yeah exactly it's like yeah they you just you know that this lasts in your system for a certain amount of time so yeah that's what you have to be thinking about not necessarily the act itself (laughs) so on to other prospects, mostly at the top of the first round. Um, we talked a lot about James Wiseman and how – basically, we talked a lot about James Wiseman and Obi Toppin and why both of us are not fans of them for the Hornets at three. I think we talked a good bit about LaMelo Ball. Uh, I think we talked a little bit about Edwards, Hayes, and Avdia, but I want to like run through them again real quick. Um, of those three, Hayes is your favorite right now? Um. I, yeah, I would say so. I don't know. It's it's so hard because like if Edwards is there, you basically like have to take him because the the upside is like so great. Uh-huh. But Hayes is like so good already, and I just really like the way that he plays. So that would be tough. I'd probably have to say Edwards just because <laughs> you got to take a swing, I guess. I, but I would be really tempted to just take Killian. How much do you think um, NBA teams think like that? Because I think it's probably more than people realize, where they say. Like I, in my in my heart, I believe that this play, but for job security reasons, I can't do it. Because if I'm wrong about like, for example, if you think like Hayes is better than Edwards, it wouldn't. I don't think it's outside their own possibility that a GM's like, I think Hayes is better, but if Edwards ends up being better, I might lose my job. And if Edwards exactly. is worse, it's okay because everybody expected me. That's like the right pick. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Like. I mean, I kind of feel like that's why Cleveland took Anthony Bennett back in 2015. Like, I don't remember any of the information that was coming out about that at the time, but mm-hmm. I feel like it, it, you just like taking a guy 
for like with the high high upside and like really low floor is definitely better for, for like your job security than taking a guy like like Killian Hayes at three, who's probably going to be good, but like may not end up being like an all star that you're looking for with that draft slot. Yeah. So I mean, they it's 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 a really tough tough call to make. <laughs> that I think I guess that's why the draft is so hard. But I don't know, it's, especially it's going with. Yeah, especially going with international prospects, like we saw with the Knicks, and then it's Knicks fans, so that has to be taken with a grain of salt. But yeah. when you take that swing on that international prospect over highly touted college players, the you're much more likely to get significant pushback if you whiff. Because just because yeah, you yeah know, that's true. People have watched Anthony Edwards on TV, and his highlights and stuff are more readily available. And you know, even like now everybody's highlights are available, but you see Anthony Edwards like playing against Kentucky or Michigan state and stuff. And then you see Killian Hayes play against for what some people probably think is just like a JV team of 16 year old European guys that don't know how to play basketball. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, you're like, Oh, Denny Avdia plays for Maccabi Tel Aviv. Like that, that, that means nothing to me, <laughs> but Anthony Edwards plays in the sec. So like, you know, that, that means yeah. something, but, but like re- the reality is that Avdia is playing against better players like every day, basically. But the, the upside, yeah. it definitely shows itself, I guess, more in the uh, like American prospects mm-hmm. just because they're more visible. I think, yeah, so Hayes and Edwards are t- tough because and they kind of play the same position, too. Um, I've, I think, I don't know if I said this on the podcast or if I was just said it talking to you over text. Um, Hayes' footwork, it, like, stresses me out a little bit because he's always so close to traveling. He does, like, the James Harden thing where he kind of... The way he picks up his dribble kind of in between steps, it, he looks like it's a border... Like, Killian Hayes would be why your grandfather hates the NBA right now. <laughs> that's actually, that's true. Yeah, he's a bit. <laughs> this the, his step backs are so long, and he like uses that gather step and kind of like drags his foot too. Yeah. So any any uh like older basketball fan would definitely hate him. But <laughs> and and he does list uh, James Harden as like one of his like one of the players in the NBA that he models his game after. So that actually makes sense that you. Yeah. through that comparison <laughs> yeah and then the lefty with the step backs and the yeah, exactly. the craftiness um i think i would be fine with him i like avdia a little better and i don't really know why um but i don't like a, the other thing the only thing that scares me about avdia is i was reading something uh i can't remember where but it was basically like prospects and it was kind of anecdotal because you can only measure this but prospects that you take high in the lottery that don't have a single d- definite, like this is his NBA skill, more likely, more often than not, uh, don't realize any like star potential. And I don't know if Avdia currently has one of those, like this is his definite, other than if you want to say versatility, quote unquote, is an NBA skill. So that does concern me a little bit. Yeah, I definitely get that. I mean, you you could make the argument that the versatility in itself is that like star potential skill, but I mean, yeah. with his, I mean, I know his jumper looks a lot better now since uh like he's kind of came back to playing basketball and has been posting videos mm-hmm. on the internet and stuff. But like that, like to a certain degree, like empty gym jumpers only mean so much. Like RJ Hampton has been flying up draft boards right now because of his like empty gym set shot like jumpers which i mean it does look way better which i'm sure will show itself when they actually play too but like with avdia like i just don't know if he becomes so good as a shooter i get like i feel like he'd have to hit a really high percentage on low volume or hit a Mm average-ish percentage on really high volume and i don't see him being effective as like a high volume three-point shooter i feel like he would be just low volume across the board in terms of like shots and just yeah. be like a secondary playmaker and like team defender too yeah. and like that's a good player but it's just <laughs> tough at three mm. to do that i mean i like that's it like in a way the kind of, hornets kind of got like bitten in the ass by being with the third pick <laughs> because if if edwards and ball are gone that is yeah. a really tough call to make <laughs> like really really tough pick and i feel bad for cup jack if that is the situation but 
Yeah. Hopefully they can just make the easy pick between Edwards or Ball. Yeah, yeah. If, if Edwards and Ball are there, I I feel very I'd be very excited. And then Hayes of Dia, Hayes and of Dia are probably the next two that I'm like. Yeah, same. Those are I'll, I'm I'm ready to root for them, but I'm more I have more reservations about them, just because like we said of Dia's, uh, you know, not having a he's we don't really, he's got more of one with his passing ability and his his craftiness but there is you know he does he's not a super great athlete and he's very left-hand dominant right now so there is you know concern about like hey man you have to learn to go right at least a little bit this is in the nba if you're not going to be so quick that teams can't stay in front of you regardless of what you do yeah that's i mean he the right he does need a, a bit more of a right hand but like i also think that him like i don't i don't i wasn't ape like i was like 13 so i wasn't able to comprehend basketball prospects <laughs> at this level but like i i don't think james harden got picked apart for being like i mean, I know he was like a dominant lefty like when he was yeah. younger i don't think he got picked apart quite as much but like i it, he killian hayes is probably more left-hand dominant than harden was at that point because harden is realistically just a more talented basketball <laughs> player but yeah. i think that like th- this draft class is just so scrutinized and like that has just become his thing that like uh, yeah. is like his big drawback and like like Avdia's three point shooting and like for or not three point free throw shooting is another mm-hmm. thing like I don't think he's actually a fifty six percent free throw shooter for like <laughs> yeah. his NBA career but no. it's just been out there for so long like that number has been floating around and people have been talking about it that it seems like really bad because it's all we've been able to see him yeah. do for like <laughs> a year <laughs> plus we've been doing this whole draft thing for an extra. Exactly. Three, or like what, like five months relative to normal, or yeah, about five months more than normal. Yeah, like we'd be two weeks away from the start of the 2021 or 2020 2021 season. The Hornets would already have all of their picks in training yeah. camp right now, like normally. So yes. we'd be talking about 2021 right now, normally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's that. And then after those four, we talked about Wiseman and why that I think that the they played in basically a year is making people is make is helping him in terms of the fan perception of him i don't know about scouts but like what i see on the internet because people are assuming he can do all these things because they see what he does in workouts or like in pickup games and i it's like guys i have news for you every single player in the nba even like javel mcgee and dwight howard and other centers like that can do those things you're seeing james wiseman doing it's not a special skill to be able to do that stuff in open gyms He's not. He's never done it when it matters. So I think the most likely thing is he's just going to be what we've seen him do when it actually matters, and that's just catch the ball and dunk it. Yeah, I mean he he could be good at that too. But it's like I agree. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many things that are like uh, I don't know how, like how to describe that are just like assumed that he's going to do mm-hmm. in the NBA that he really like either hasn't done or hasn't done at a high level yet. Like being a, being a floor spacer, like (laughs) I know, I don't remember his exact numbers from um, like the UIBL circuit, but he wasn't an overwhelming jump shooter there. Yeah. He hit like like a decent percentage on low volume, but it's also like AAU basketball. Like it's a super, it's a 19 foot uh, three point line, which is four feet shorter than the NBA line. And those kids do not guard each other. Yeah, and he was uh, the number one recruit in the country at the time and didn't make an all-EYBL team. So he wasn't <laughs> one of the, the 10 best players at that tournament despite being the number one recruit in the country, which is like, if you can't, I mean, like, I, I if you can't show that against the same players that you're being, like, your contemporaries you're being ranked against, that yeah. you're better than all of them, like, at that stage, like, I don't have that much of a reason to believe that that has improved significantly since then to now when he hasn't really played. I mean, nobody really has either, but yeah, he, but he's, he especially he's played has less, not yeah. played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw his EYBL stats to Marvin Bagley's and they were significantly worse. And Marvin Bagley was kind of a similarly hyped prospect coming out a couple years ago. Um, except Marvin Bagley actually played college basketball and dominated college basketball. And yeah. And then, yeah. So, and then that's basically what you said is what I've been saying. It's like, I can't at no, at no point has he at his entire career, he's always been underwhelming relative to what people think he can do. And I don't think at all of a sudden in the NBA, he's going to just like reverse that and be like, Oh, and Oh, now he's good at the things that yeah. we're talking about. he's going to be fine. He'll be able to catch and dunk and block shots, but 
that's that's not what we're going for. Um, we talked about Okongwu, who's basically better James Wiseman. <laughs> yeah, he does a lot of the things that people think James Wiseman does, except for shoot. <laughs> yeah, and he actually does that. Yeah, like basically, he actually does a lot of the things that Wiseman's supposed to be able to do. Yeah, like switching on to like point guards and mm-hmm. like tra- like being a, a trapping defender in a pick and roll or, or stuff like yeah. that and defending out to half court. And yeah, and maybe being able to develop a little bit as a passer. Not like he's not going to be like a point center or anything, but you know, just like a make reads out of the short roll type thing. Yeah. Dribble handoffs. Um would you be would you be disappointed if I know you're like big on Okamu. Would you be disappointed if the Hornets took him at 3? I mean, uh, just because I like I think it has to be close to a year ago that I wrote an article saying that they should pick him. Uh, I think I would probably just laugh if they picked him third because it would basically just be like my prophecy being fulfilled. But yeah, <laughs> I would be like slightly upset if uh although I guess if if Edwards and Ball are off the board, yeah. any 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 three of him or I guess any four of him, uh, Vassell, Avdia and Hayes would be all right with me. Okay, so, so I wouldn't be too I wouldn't be upset, but. You're definitely not like there are a lot of Hornets fans that'd be upset because you're not getting like a exciting pick necessarily. Yeah. He might be a like all defense guy in like three or four years, but I mean, it, it, he's just going to be playing sound like <laughs> team basketball for his rookie season, and that's not yeah. going to please a lot of Hornets fans with the third pick. Yeah, I'm not going to be like fist pumping in my living room like, yeah, we got Okongwu, but it'd be kind, it'd yeah. be kind of cringe, just like a little grimace, like. Eh. Oh, this will be fine. Like, yeah, all right. Like, we'll, we can we'll, take that. Well, I'll in the future, we'll enjoy it when he's on the team. But like right now, in terms of positional value and stuff in the draft, it's like ah, we drafted a center in the top three. Eh. Yeah, we could just start thinking about Cade Cunningham like immediately too, <laughs> yeah. which, which might be pretty fun. It, which isn't the worst thing in the no. world if, if if we're drafting for next year. But like, hey, if we take a center, this will have the least amount of impact on our win total for next year, so we can be right back here next year. Um. The other player that you talked about that I don't think we talked about at all was Devin Vassell. Yeah, you're right. I don't think we have we did mention him at all, but I he's like he's gone up draft boards quite a bit since that people haven't been playing for months now, but <laughs> which is always a red flag, not a red flag, but a little little con- cause room for concern when yeah, players yeah. rise draft boards when nobody's done anything. Yeah, exactly. Like he is a really good shooter and a really good defender in like all aspects of the word. Like he is, he has size and length. He could probably use like a little bit more muscle, but like he's just so, he's so yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like 20. So you, anyone that's 20 years old could use more muscle on their body, but he's just so good at thinking his way through the game. Like if you, I don't watch like a ton of Florida state games, but if you watch them like play, he is constantly just like pointing things out and like yelling to his teammates and like, you know, like nudging them in certain directions for like switches and rotations and stuff. So it's like, it's really clear that he understands basketball at an NBA level because, and Leonard Hamilton's a really good coach too. So it's not like he's running like rinky dink systems that like yeah. anybody could understand. Like you got to be on your stuff to know how to play and Leonard, Ham- Leonard Hamilton defense. Cause Patrick Williams is the same way. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's also just a super like smart, playmaking defender but Vassell he can't create his own shot really at all like which is the knock on him which kind of is like the main thing you're looking for with a top pick because you Mm -hmm. want like the main trait of NBA all-stars now really especially scorers are just people that can create a shot either for themselves or others like you need guys that can do that all over the floor and he really isn't one of those guys at this point he's shown some pull-up shooting ability but he's not a great playmaker and he probably isn't like ever going to be because he's not like a high usage player. He's kind of just more of a like fit into the offense as like a chess piece and then just yeah. do whatever you need him to do at a high level. So, I mean, he'll, he'll be good, but he like Okongwu, it's just like with the third pick, like <laughs> uh, it's just, you're looking, you're looking for a little bit more, even if they're still going to be good. Yeah, so I wonder if my question to you is: Do you think he's risen of draft boards without playing because of the fact that we talked about how you talked earlier about with Hayes how everybody's getting kind of picked apart, especially with this extended amount of lead up to the draft? Do you think the fact that there's nothing really 
to pick apart if people are, actually you know who doesn't have any glaring weakness like everybody else is Devin Vassell. And I that think could, that might yeah, I agree. That could definitely have something to do with it. And um for and I my thing with him is and I, it's not fair to judge a player's mentality without knowing them, but from what we know, like you said, he's kind of he, like I he's like a cog within the machine the Florida Florida State thing. But it's it's a big leap of faith to assume that he will go from in college on a I don't know if Florida State was what okay. They weren't like the best team in college basketball. No, they were like pretty good. Yeah. They're, yeah, they weren't like so probably like just below that, like top tier of teams. Yeah. So yeah, because I think they were ranked for a while. But like, yeah, like on a good college basketball team to be not even like the superstar, so to speak. Like he might he's probably their best player, but not he didn't stand above everybody else. And to not have that in college, it's kind of a big leap to assume when he goes up in competition, he will also take on a larger role. And so he didn't do anything poorly, but this is weird. But the fact that he only averaged like a turnover per game is a little bit of a red flag just because with, with all compared with how few assists he got, it just to me seems like he's very risk averse. And I think that kind of ability to like take over games or take over teams and be like a superstar player. If you're just kind of like, I'm going to do my job and I'm not going to make any mistakes. I'm just going to make the sound play every time. I know that sounds like exactly what you want, but you do need somebody that's willing to put themselves out there to elevate their team. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that is kind of what you want, but like the Hornets, especially and with their, (laughs) with the third pick are looking for somebody that can go out there and kind of just, take over the game when they need to. Yeah. And I mean, Devin Vassell could be, I guess, develop into that guy and just hit some <laughs> like really crazy projection levels. But cause, but I just don't necessarily see him having the, the court vision and like breakdown handles to yeah. be able to just run that, just break somebody down and then rise up and score over them at will basically and I, even, I think there are guys at three that you could draft that might be able to do that at some point yeah he doesn't or, or even just like the assertiveness yeah exactly yeah exactly like his his usage rate was really low and his usage rate is a little like he took a lot of shots i think he was first or second on the team in shot attempts for 40 minutes out of the players that regularly played but his free throw attempt rate is really bad and his assist rate and turnover rate or not assist rate but his turnover rate's really low so it's kind of what I'm saying, where it's basically just like a, you know, get the ball and shoot it, or just kind of give it back to someone else to do something with it. Like not yeah. not creating, not getting to the basket and drawing fouls, or you know, like I don't have it in front of me, so this I'm not, but I promise I'm not making this up. There is, you know, how people talk about free throw shooting, tra- being a better translator for NBA three point shooting than college three point shooting. Yeah, uh, turnovers tend to predict assists better than assists just because I can see I this, that I know this from my personal experience uh when I was playing when I would pick up basketball or like league basketball and stuff when I was in my late teens and early 20s I would turn the ball over like crazy because like I would see stuff but I hadn't quite learned how to like get the ball to the right like you know what you can do and what you can't do and how to get get the ball to where you see it yeah yeah like angles and yeah and like i would that. turn it over like crazy and now when i'm in my in my late 20s i i don't turn the ball over like at all but i can i much better at setting people up for stuff and i think that's kind of what you see in general with prospects is like with hayes turns the ball over a lot but to me that's not a problem because he sees stuff he sees he knows what he's trying to do he just needs some more time to kind of figure out how to get the ball to where he wants it to go yeah, and I mean, he is like commanding a pick and roll in a yeah. professional basketball league so often at that age, like you're bound to just have turnovers. Like yeah. it, it's in any other aspect of life, if an eight, like a turnover is just like the ultimate, like, uh, you, like you slap your forehead and be like, that was stupid mistake. 18 year olds <laughs> make those mistakes every single day, multiple times a day. So if uh, turning a ball over in a basketball game is not a problem to me, if you, if you can sling a ball like cross court yeah. off a live dribble with one hand right in the shooter's pocket. Yeah. So I, I could definitely see how turnovers is like more of a good determinant of how good a pa- of a passer a player is. Cause at least they're trying and they're, they're seeing yeah. things. They just don't have the finesse or 
wherewithal or IQ or whatever to get it there. Yeah, and that's that was with that's with Vassell, where like you know how Tankathon does their strengths and weaknesses. His weaknesses oh, are yeah. like our free throw attempt rate, assists, points, and assist percentage relative to usage. So yeah, basically he just he doesn't create anything for anybody. Yeah, he just yeah he puts the ball on the hoop, but I mean you you can't mm-hmm. ask him to yeah just create anything for other players. And with all of these prospects, of course, there's a chance they add these skills. But I think it's the safer thing to do is to assume that the skills they have will get better and not assume that, yeah, if he just adds this completely new trait out of nowhere, he'll be a superstar because that's, there's no, you need some sort of kind of basis to make that assumption. Yeah, so, like, I actually watched an interview with Dun- Duncan Robinson, who said the exact same thing as what you just did. That's why he <laughs> went to the Heat was because they were they weren't like, oh, we're gonna make you you're a good shooter, we're gonna make you a better defender and passer. They're like, you're a yeah. good shooter, we're gonna make you the best shooter in the NBA, and yeah. work at where he is now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's 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 you gotta you gotta build off of the foundation that's there, and then if other stuff other stuff comes in, that's great. But you don't want to like whiff on Wiseman because you thought he was gonna become Giannis. You know, you want to whiff on Wiseman because you thought he was going to be Rudy Gobert and he just didn't quite figure it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I've seen Tyrese Halliburton's name a little bit. I just see Lonzo Ball. Yeah, I'm not like – I like Halliburton. He's a good – he's like he's another one of the guys – like him, Okongwu, and uh, Vassell. I'd be mm-hmm. – perfectly fine with at eight but at three it's just like not like yeah. especially halbert and it's just like i'm i'm probably all set because i think he'll be a good shooter at the next level but his shot is really slow and mm-hmm. he's I, I don't think unless he like really that has a makeover of how not even the actual jump shot itself but like how he gathers the ball off of the dribble and like yeah pulls it off the floor and up from his waist to like <laughs> the top of his forehead like that motion is not like fast and i think in the nba that's probably like he's not going to be able to to ever really shoot pull up jumpers with anyone his size on him. Yeah, which is un- yeah. like, yeah, but he it, but he'd be really good if he could because like <laughs> he's a very good shooter. But it's the motion is just not fast enough yet. He's like he's not super. He's not dynamic enough to really create stuff on his own. Like I think he'll be fine. He seems like he'd be a really good like. If, he would pair well with like Devontae Graham, who Devontae Graham can kind of run the show and then Halliburton can kind of connect things because I think he'll be a great connector and he'll get a lot of nice assists and stuff. But he's not – you can't just like give him the ball and be like, all right, we need a bucket. Go out there and like beat your man and score or find a player like or find a pass or whatever because he doesn't really have any – doesn't have any wiggle. He doesn't have a lot of burst. His handle's not that tight. He's just kind of – Yeah, like, he's, really, he's, just, he's really thin too. Yeah, he's just – yeah, that's uh, that's the Lonzo comparison because Lonzo's kind of the same way where he's a good passer and he's an unselfish player, but he doesn't really have to really bring those skills out if he's a main centerpiece. You can just kind of see little flashes of it here and there when he's put in an advantageous situation create that advantage for themselves. Yeah, and I, I mean, I could definitely see him just be becoming like Alonzo is actually a really good comparison. I had never really thought about that until you mm-hmm. started like mentioning that a, a few times <laughs> we talked about it, but he, it's it, other than the shooting, like he is pretty yeah, much yeah, exactly Lonzo. like Lonzo. Cause I mean, yeah. the defense, especially like he could be really good at it if he was bigger and just like a, maybe put in like I, I guess he's not really like an effort problem. I guess more with him is just like physically not being able to withstand yeah like bigger play like if if Halliburton had to guard Anthony Edwards Halliburton would not look like somebody that's being slated <laughs> to pick in like the top 10 or something yeah, like that he would just get bullied all the way to the rim from the yeah. perimeter yeah exactly and that's gonna happen a lot in the NBA but like he will be good as a guy that can be a connector like you said like if fitting next to Devontae Graham him, Devontae can run pick and roll. Tyrese Halliburton can run pick and roll. Either one of them can just kind mm-hmm. of post up or post in either corner and just yeah. kind of wait for the kick out. Like that would be a really like a really good fit with the eighth pick. But with the third <laughs> pick, it's probably not what you yeah. want to go for. Like you could sign someone. You like you could sign Furkan Korkmaz to do yeah. a lot of what you're gonna ask Tyrese Halliburton to do with the third pick. I guess. Yeah. Other than like the playmaking, but even then, like. 
they they have Devonte, they have Malik, like PJ. I think has an underrated playmaker. Cody Martin, mm-hmm. like they have people that can do it. They just need a like a point guard sized playmaker to come off the bench and help yeah. Devonte, which would be good for Halliburton to do. But <laughs> not if we're looking for more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he'll average like twelve points and like five or six assists and a couple rebounds. Maybe get some steals, but yeah. Not yeah, exactly. off like like good efficient shooting percentages, yeah. not super high volume. Yeah, shooting like seven or eight shots. A yeah, like a kickouts and, and a half or transition layups. Like yeah. Too. Um, Toppin. Last one I think we we'll talk about is Toppin, and then we'll talk. I think we should talk about second rounders, but we can do that like next week. Um, Toppin, we kind of talked about. I think we talked about him a lot, so I don't think we really need to touch on him again. Uh, I think we both agree. Like his defense is so bad. That no matter how bad, how good his offense becomes, it might not really matter. And yeah. then even then, his offense is a little shakier than people give it credit for. I think. Yeah, I saw a center. rumor that um, most like scouts and executives think that he will go no later than f- like fourth or fifth, though, which really scares me because you know who picks third? <laughs> yeah. <The> Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you said that no later, when you when you I thought you were gonna say no earlier then, and I was like, oh good, and you said no later, like oh no. Yeah, no, I was I literally like gulped when I read it. I was like, oh god, like this is not. And it's like it just kind of makes sense too. Like I could see the Bulls picking him, but it's like, man, I could really see the Hornets just pulling a classic Hornets yeah. and taking him at third, and then me being really, really sad. I, I know, like, like the <laughs> you know Michael Jordan comes out of the clouds for the first time in forever to be like, guys, he was so good, like the Frank Kaminsky thing. Yeah, like I watched yes. this guy play, and he was good. What are you talking about? It's like, Mike, and then they're not going to say no because it's Michael Jordan. Yeah, it's the boss. He's into the boss. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then the problem with us talking about like like we're going to pick Wiseman or Toppin is like oh, we've done nothing but bad things about them for the last several months, and now I have oh, to yeah. root for them. Yeah, and now, now we got to go back and erase everything we said and all that, and talk yeah, and then, into it. Every time they do, and then like now I have to want them to do well, obviously, because it's the Hornets. But then at the same time, I just, I know that I will never hear the end of like, you said they shouldn't pick them if they do do well. So now there's no winning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then if like, and if they don't do well, it's like, well, I was right, but the Hornets still suck. So yeah, like, exactly. what, did, what did I gain from this? Like, it's a lose. So rooting for the Hornets not to pick these players that we've, we don't like just because for our own sanity, because it's a lose lose. Yeah, if they do pick them. But with that, uh, we'll wrap this show up and we'll talk again because there's a lot of second round picks that I'm interested in that I want to talk about. And uh, we'll just kind of run through some next time. But thanks for listening to that live podcast. Uh, Thanks, Chase, for joining us. And we will talk to you guys sometime soon.